Welcome to Lift Every Voice, where every voice holds weight. I am your host, Marcus Blewett, and on today's episode, I have a young man coming to the show who has great insight about the importance of family, wealth, and he knows what he wants to do for his future already at the young age of 20 years old. He's one of my great friends. I would like to welcome Nico Quesada Nylon to the show. How you, you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for coming, bro. So, Nico, I've been knowing you for about a year and a half now, going on two. And one thing I noticed is how you are connected to your family. Yeah. What role does your family play in your life? They've played a big role in my life, and they honestly are the most important part of my life. They uh, they've been there since the jump, you know, just like everybody else. Um, some people who have families and not, but. They're really who I identify as. They did my strength and my weakness, raised a lot of them myself. You know, I like to think of uh, my little brother as my son sometimes because I had to help take care of him growing up. You had to take care of your brother growing up? Yeah. How, how old are you and your brother in between ages? We are four years apart. Four years apart? Yes. So how was taking care of him growing up? We went through phases. So like, you know, uh, when we were growing up like in middle school, when I was in middle school, my my little brother would be like a typical little brother and want to do everything with me, want to go where I go, do the same things I do, dress the way I dress, talk the way I talk. So, you know, having to really maneuver myself and really have to tiptoe where I was saying things because, you know, I don't act. I didn't act one way in front of my friends like I did in front of my brother yeah. because I didn't want to influence him in any way. Right. You know, so it was kind of difficult growing up just having to watch myself. And because the difference in age when you're little is is bigger than when you're, you're older. Yeah. Because when he got in high school and I was a senior, he's already been through a couple, he's already been through things where I don't need to explain it anymore. I don't need to hold back. You know, there's been things that can be talked about now, like sex, mm-hmm. you know, not doing drugs, yeah. alcohol, um, and other issues that aren't really identifiable when you're a kid. And just the age difference as we grew up, kind of diminished it's not really there anymore i don't really see four years but now i see my little brother yeah i see somebody i can talk to i see a friend almost you know i don't see that whole idea of oh it's my little baby brother yeah he kind of graduated yes (laughs) (laughs) see that's the difference with me because i grew up being the only child so I, i didn't have any siblings so i don't know how it feels to have a big brother what are some of the challenges you experienced while being a big brother some of the challenges i've experienced yeah in regards to like what was so difficult about being a big brother like at some points was it hard trying to keep up with your syllabins or was it hard trying to support them? Was it hard keeping them out of trouble? Like, What were some um, of the challenges? I think the biggest challenge is what goes on in my personal life and then what goes, what transfers over into my family life. Okay. You know, yeah. because there are aspects of my life that are personal that are separated from family. Mm-hmm. But there have been instances where some of those issues tend to trickle into my family. Okay. You know, my little siblings or my my mom and my dad, they may have they might hear about a problem that happened to me with my friends or in school or yeah. something that really wouldn't be talked about in my family. Right. And just having to really be careful of that, having that big brother reputation, you know. So let's talk about your parents for a, a little minute. So when you was growing up, 
How was the work family balance in your household? Was it was it a lot of times where you didn't see your parents because they were both working or was it the opposite? So it was kind of in different increments. The youngest I was, right? Yeah. At my youngest point in my life. Uh, my dad had two jobs and my mom had one job. My mom was a social worker. Um, and my dad was a construction worker by day, and then at night he would go and be a social worker for homeless people in Boston. Okay. In regards to my father, when I was growing up, I would see him, and we would do things together, and it wasn't like he was absent from my life, but he definitely wasn't as present as I remember it being mm-hmm. because of his work duties. He, I would remember him coming home from work in his... Iron worker clothes, you know, ripped up shirt, ripped up jeans, burns marks everywhere. And then he'd just take a shower, eat something, get dressed and go. And then he's off to State Street till like, I don't know, five o'clock, four, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I wouldn't see him, you know, the whole day. Okay. He'd have to just come back home and go back to work in the morning, you know. So seeing my dad wasn't really, the work-life balance wasn't, wasn't really steady with him at that point. But my mom, my mom was... In my life present, mm-hmm. you know, she was there constantly. And then what happened was this this whole situation happened with my father in, um, in regards to alcohol abuse. Okay. And so he was absent for a little bit. And during that time period, my mom picked up, my mom picked up uh, babysitting. She would, she had a whole bunch of kids that she would babysit and um, baby, basically they'd be at our house, you know? So that's where I kind of met a lot of these and they were all girls. There were no guys that she babysitted. So I met a lot of my friends through there, mm-hmm. through that idea that my mom was doing a, like this part-time babysitting job. Mm-hmm. After middle school, the work-life balance was kind of steady. Mm-hmm. You know, going into high school, I would see both of my parents often. Um, there really wasn't no, any problem with them having to balance, you know, work and their, their kids. So when it was when it was kind of difficult for them to be at work and trying to be at home, how did that affect you and your brothers and sisters? It definitely affected us because uh, my mom would work and she, she's a teacher. Okay. She was a teacher at that time, uh, an assistant teacher for special education. So she would be working in the same time frame that we were in school Mm -hmm. but as a teacher you know teachers stay later than kids you know so my mom would have to stay after school for I think an hour and a half or something like that you know two hours and so me and my siblings we'd have to stay at school because my mom wanted us to stay at school not go home alone even though we live right across the street from the school yeah low-key made no sense but (laughs) um so we would stay in the library you know do homework uh have an upperclassman look after us um and so my mom came to pick us up. But in regards to how we acted, I feel like I definitely I definitely took notice just in the change and then the abrupt change like in the household. I definitely laid back from school a little bit. I slacked off a little bit and um that was really that was really visible just because my sister is my older sister's all A's. Yeah. High school, all A's, you know, college doing great. And then my younger sister and my younger brother were the same in middle school, you know, yeah. all A's, honor roll, high honors. And then I was in the middle. Yeah. You know, I was getting the B's and C's. I just noticed that academically I wasn't performing to that standard. And then it kind of took over and with my brother where I started to kind of just be involved in his life way more. I started to talk to him way more and kind of embrace him because I noticed that around the house, there wasn't really much to do with him. You know, he would do his homework, but then there was really nothing he could do. Yeah. He, he didn't want to talk to any of the girls that were there without my mom was babysitting. So I kind of just saw that as an initiative to kind of take him and, like, you know, teach him some things. Yeah. Cook, 
clean, you know? Okay, so by you saying that, what does brotherhood mean to you? A lot of it is loyalty. Okay. You know, a lot of it is loyalty and um, how how serious that relationship is between you and another man, you know, mm-hmm. and friendship. What's one valuable lesson your parents taught you that you keep in mind today? There's two. Just in regards, you know, it's that basic idea that my dad really told me that nothing is ever given. Everything is earned. Mm-hmm. Everything that you get in your life is a product of what you have done. Okay. There's nothing in your life that happens that is a f- freak accident, you know? Maybe something like a lightning hits you or something like that. But basically, everything that you have done in your life and where you are now is a product of something that you've done. You know, everything has been given to you for some reason. You've mm-hmm. earned that's everything one way or another, whether if it's a good way or in a bad way. Yeah. Not to differentiate, you know? But, um, more so along the family lines, the most important lesson I learned um, from my father was that he told me, I only have one brother. I only have two sisters and I only have two parents. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I don't get a second chance. Yeah. Because I remember there was this kind of point in my life where me and my brother would butt heads a lot, you know, more than more than often. You know, one day my dad kind of saw that and he said to me, he's like, you know, you got one little brother. You don't have another one. Your friends, while you may think they're your brothers or you think they're your best friends, they're not blood. You have one little brother and that's who you take care of. That's who you come back to at the end of the day. That's who you share a room with. That's who you're connected to. Yeah. You know, and that kind of really put things into perspective for me because then when I see my brother growing up, you know, everybody, as a guy grows up, you know, you kind of distance yourself and you kind of become your own man. Yeah. You know, and recently I've been seeing that with my brother. He's been doing his own thing, you know, and I can't I can't say nothing but be proud of him. But I'm happy that at that moment I realized that I do only have one little brother because if I didn't and I could just continue to butt heads with him, who knows if I would be so close with him today, you know, Mm -hmm. just that was I think that was the biggest lesson. though. Yeah, I think that's a great lesson because I think a lot of people nowadays forget about that. Mm -hmm. And I say that because. I would see all the time brothers and sisters fighting, like going at it. Like, for example, in Chicago over the last two years, it has been I can remember at least more than three stories where a family member took the other family member's life. And it was two situations with brothers Mm. Where one brother would get into a physical altercation with the other brother and, you know, they're fighting or whatever. And the brother would get a gun and shoot the brother and kill him. And not even going to that extreme, it's a lot of situations where I hear comp, like, I hear comments by people saying, oh, I hate my mom or I hate my dad or, you know, I wish they're calling them the B word. They're cussing them out. And that's that go that goes against your lesson that you just talked about. Yeah. Because if they were to lose that person, Mm -hmm. everything changes. Everything changes. It's oh, I loved my mom. Why did she go? You know, but then you don't you really you don't realize that what you said in the moment, you know, that really that does that does some damage. You know, these people say it out of a rationale that they have installed in their mind. You know, they said it for a reason, whether they're serious or not, you know. But my dad told me that parents, when they hear that, they really take that to the heart. Of course. You know, regardless, yeah, you if, regardless if you say it as a joke, if you say it just in the heat of the moment, they really take it to the heart because it's just like you had the audacity to even say that, mm-hmm. to even think it, you know? Yeah. And that's your parents who you're talking. They gave you your life. Yeah, they gave you everything. Yeah. So with your mom being a teacher at some point in her life, 
How did that impact your education? Oh, man, my mom has been hard on me since day one with school. Mm-hmm. Like, when I tell you I got my first C in fifth grade and I felt like I was going to die because, like, my mom has been super strict with grades, especially with me. If you ask any of my siblings, I was definitely the one that my mom would really be hard on, you yeah. know, just getting getting down to the nitty gritty. Why is that? Um, I think that goes back into how, how, how I was impacted growing up. You know, that time that I really just decided to step back from school just a little bit, you know, just those all A's really weren't me. Put, investing all of my time, you know, as soon as I get home from school, I sit down and I do my homework oh, until the nighttime like yeah, my sister did. That was me. I couldn't do that, you know? Yeah. And I realized that at an early age and then I think that's where my mom kind of came into conflict with me. Like I would, I would, I don't know if you had agenda books in middle school. No. We had agenda books and um, basically, if you didn't do your work or you had problems studying or you had problems with studying academically, they'd always stamp your agenda book. And I'm telling you, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm getting stamps, bro. Damn. And they, they, when you get a stamp, you got to go home and have your parents sign Damn. so that they know that they've seen it. Damn. And so I'd have to show my mom all the time that I was having stamps because I had to miss assignments or I got a bad grade on a test. And they were like, oh, you got to make sure your mom sees it. And so I go home and my mom why don't you study, Nico? You you never study. You always watch the TV. You always playing around. Uh, it was difficult, but my mom being a teacher, she's a she's an assistant for special education, so it's kind of different. Yeah, you know. Um, but being a teacher really did help her out with trying to push academics on me, and yeah. um, I value that because I wouldn't be here at Kobe Soy without it. You know, she really helped me through high school, like the first two years, um, where I wasn't really adjusted to the work yet. Uh, I took my first AP class sophomore year, and that was a lot of work. Yeah, but um, so at, for me. to a point, like, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. But my mom pushing me, you know, every night, even before she going to sleep. You That's know, good. you got to stay up, do your homework. You got to study. You got to do this because it's going to affect you, you know? Yeah. And I, at the time, I'm like, ah, you know, it's not going to really affect me that much. You know, one test, you know. But after seeing how it accumulates over four years... I sure am grateful that my mom was so hard on me for that. Yeah, that's good. And and people like students need more support and they need that making they need their parents to be on top of them yeah. at sometimes to to make sure they're getting their work done because at the same time we are kids. Yeah. Sometimes we don't want to do homework. We wanna watch TV, we wanna watch cartoons, go outside, have fun. And it's funny that you say that because um one of my best friends growing up, he just recently went to the Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still, I guess, my brother. You yeah. know, I consider him my brother. But um, we had two different family lives. He lived down the street from me. We had two completely opposite families, you know. While my mom was very hard on me for school, his mom was the exact opposite. And she really would not care. Yeah. She wouldn't care what he did. If he got a bad grade, nothing. She would not know anything about his GPA. He wouldn't. She wouldn't know anything about his academic success. Like this guy, he didn't do any work in school, but he he's super smart. He passed all the tests. Yeah. AP Chemistry got a, like a what's the highest you can get on the test? Like a four, five? Shit, I'm not sure. Yeah, he five, got that. He got, he got a four, I think, on the AP Chem test. But he didn't do anything. The whole he was a super smart kid. But on paper, it wasn't because he didn't have that support at home, you know? Mm-hmm. And kind of seeing that at an early age, because he went to middle school with me too. Seeing that at an early age and seeing how my mom was super hard on me, at times I was like, damn, I wish you would lay off, like, be like his mom. You yeah. Know? Like, let me do what I want to do. But then I, sometimes I'd see the grades that he'd get back and I'd get back and I'd be like, 
does this have something to do with how we're growing up? Does yeah. this have something to do with, is it influenced by something in your home life? And it is, you know, it's directly correlated. Yeah, it definitely is. And you see that, you see that a lot of times in low income neighborhoods mm-hmm. where it's a lot of single parents and, you know, the parent may be working all night or all day and they not on top of their kid to do their homework and their grades tend to lack. Yeah. But when you came into Kobe Sawyer, what did you want to do with your life? What did what major did you want to pursue and are you still pursuing it now? Thankfully, uh, because of the press of scholarship, college is kind of uh, it was reality. You know, I got three other siblings, so it wasn't really anything I was looking forward to. I was looking maybe, you know, the traditional community college route. Um, I, I still want to be a chef. Culinary arts is still my passion. I love cooking. I love everything about food. If it wasn't if it wasn't for Kobe Sawyer and the opportunity that they gave me, I probably would be in Boston working in a restaurant and getting that experience, you know, meeting mentors and really being involved in that field, you know? Yeah. But since I'm here, uh, the best thing I kind of did was I took a step back before I came up freshman year and I really decided how I could play out these next four years so that when I leave, I can pursue culinary arts even further with no problem, you know? And yeah. the the way I found to do that was through business. Okay. Because I've always been interested in uh, money and the idea that when you start to gain wealth and you start to gain money, uh, you gain influence and you you basically have control of yourself, you yeah. know? And so I kind of realized that tying in my passion with a business mindset kind of could be like that ultimate recipe of success for me, mm-hmm. you know? And um, right now I'm concentrating in marketing and that's helping a lot because I'm figuring out different ways to market my food, what people seem to like, what people don't like, noticing different trends, you know? And that's that's something that is like invaluable to me. Yeah. It's something that, oh, I mean valuable, so okay. valuable. <laughs> um, you know, you can't trade that for anything, that knowledge and then being able to tie it into my passion. Because I feel like a lot of students here, they take, they take the classes to take the classes. Yeah. And they don't, they really don't come get out. They, out yeah, they don't come out with any sort of knowledge. And for liberal education courses, like this course I'm taking right now, I, I understand why you wouldn't want to take a lot of information from a course that really wouldn't benefit you. Yeah. But even with business or the the course of your major, I feel like a lot of kids here don't try to tie it into what they want to do. Yeah. They just think about it right now in the present as, oh, I got to get this grade to pass this test, to pass this course, to get this credit. Yeah. You know, but more so with me, I don't, while I care about passing the course and getting the credits, I care more about being able to understand that knowledge and being able to implement it in what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Because then you start to move forward, you start to progress, and you see that those steps that you're taking instead of just seeing constant Bs and Cs on your on your transcript. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, college, I, I feel like it definitely has, it, it made students only go to class just to pass mm-hmm. instead of actually gaining knowledge from the class. Because think about it, just like you just said, you, you was talking about, how you want to pass a assignment, you want to pass an exam, you want to pass this project. You only going to do what's required and you're not going to get any information now because you just want to get a passing grade so you can move on to the next assignment. And you talked about how you you take a business to 
to gain information and gain knowledge to implement it to what you want to do in life. And you want to be a chef, correct? Yeah. So what's your plan to become a chef or what can you do to become a chef while you are in school right now? Um, Man, when I tell you, if you have a passion, you just go all in into that field. Yeah. You don't take any time out of your day to kind of contemplate if this is what you want to do or maybe maybe I can take some time like when you really have a passion for something you're in that field every day yeah you know I'm watching the food network I'm I'm reading articles I'm looking up recipes you know I'm implementing that into my into my dishes mm-hmm. on campus when I cook you know yeah I'm just kind of always practicing right now I feel like that's the best way so that when I get out of school I already have a foundation. Right. You know, you don't need any, for anything, you don't need a formal education to sit down and listen to a lecture and that's where you, you, the internet. Yeah, internet. The existence of the internet has helped us tremendously advance as a as a species. Yeah. You know, sure. this the knowledge is just there. You can go Google something and it just pulls up. Yeah. I can pull up the different types of, diff- the food pyramid and boom, it's right there. Right. You know, if I don't know the layers. Right. Or... The different flavors of food. I didn't know any of those, but then I just be wanting to be in the field. I've looked it up, studied it, you know, so that when I get out of school, my plan is to travel and attend culinary school. Because I believe that while you attend culinary school and you learn the basics, the techniques, um, the background of food that you need, that foundation. Like every field has that foundation that you need. Uh, while you go to culinary school to build that foundation, you kind of need to make it personal, you know, and... I believe that traveling is the best way to open up your experiences with food because there's so many different cultures, there's so many different foods from different regions that yeah. you can only get in that region True. or that country that you need to try. You know, if yeah. you want to be a chef, you need to try that food. I'll eat anything. Yeah. To keep it a stack, I'll eat anything. Yeah. And that's why I want to travel because I feel like once you gain that sort of background knowledge, I could take that back and kind of create my own menu with the flavors and the different tastes that I've kind of accumulated by traveling. Yeah. What are your two favorite dishes to cook? To cook? Yeah. Definitely empanadas are one of my favorite. Okay, what's that? Empanadas is um it's a it's a pastry. Okay. Uh Latino pastry and you could put it's made with I make it with cornmeal, uh cornmeal and corn flour. And basically you could put whatever you want in the middle. I like to put uh, meat like ground beef, uh, chicken. You could put vegetables. Some I've done um, caramel apple, like make sweet ones. You know, um, I like it because it's hands on. You know, you gotta make the dough from scratch, and you gotta make the actual stuffing, and then you gotta form it, mold it, and yeah. fry it. You know, yeah. it's very hands on. My second favorite dish, um, definitely would have to be pinchos. I started making those this summer. And those things are super fun. Pinchos are like kebabs. Okay. Um, and you can do anything with kebabs at that point. You know, I, I've done chicken, chicken bacon. I've done barbecue chicken. You do beef with vegetables. You do straight vegetables. And it's all hands-on. You know, you put, you have to stack everything on the pincho. 
And you got to grill it. Out of the two years of you being here, what are some of the feedback have you gotten for, from people, from your peers about your cooking? To keep it real with you, it's only been positive. But everybody here I've made food for, even the most simple things. Um, the other day for a video production class, all I did was make a, a chicken tacos. Yeah. You know, just chicken. And I put tortilla on the, on the stove. Made, like burned a little bit, made it cooked. And yeah, then, that's uh, how I like mine. Put the chicken in, you know? Yeah. And that was it. And I just put chicken cheese, a little bit of seasoning, which is key. I think that's a lot of reason why people really- Can't cook, yeah. <laughs> they can't cook because they don't they don't know how those things taste, you yeah. know? Taking, yo, taking your, your pinky and dipping it in like a seasoning and, and tasting it. it. Trying to see how that implements. You know, people don't get that. They just, oh, I'm gonna put this and I'm gonna put this and maybe that tastes good. Yeah, you know? they only they only stick to what they know. They don't yeah. try anything. And else. I think regarding um just the feedback I've got on my dishes, I think it has to do a lot with the region that we're in as well. You yeah. know, um not to say any not to make any uh assumptions, but definitely what I've noticed is that um up here, people tend not to use spices with their food. Yeah. You know, they tend to just use the regular salt and pepper and think that it's seasoned. Mm-hmm. And what I think people don't understand is how how many how many flavors are out there, you know? And so when they try that, they, I always get, damn, what you use to season this? Yeah. What you, adobo. Most basic ingredient is adobo. And, and then they'll fuck around and ask you, what is that? Yeah. They, <laughs> oh, what is that? Use... You got to tell them, oh, it's a whole bunch, bunch of things of seasons, yeah. all together. It's like all season. And in, in, in one. <laughs> so you talked about how you, um, you're studying business and you actually made a com- you, had, you actually made a comment saying that once you have money, you have control. So is money everything to you? No. Why not? I think there is a fine line when I talk when I talk about money. Um some people tend to understand it and some people uh, don't. And that's okay. I don't necessarily mind because I know what money means to me. Um, some people think that I mean money in a materialistic sense, that what I work for is money. What I work for, everything I go for is money, you know? And that's not the case because I see money as this way to have control and influence and be able to pretty much own yourself yeah because in this day and age there's a lot of people don't own themselves they're they're showered in debt Mm -hmm. they have a boss Mm -hmm. they the job market is really not as big as people think it is you know Mm -hmm. coming out of school and trying to just rely on this idea of oh i'm gonna get a four year uh, i'm just gonna get a job for 40 years and i'm gonna stay there you know the job market is super small yeah you gotta create it's it boils a mentor of mine really once told me it's it's sell or be sold okay you know and me personally i want to sell because i have a, I have this intuition that when i when i make that money i have financial freedom and i have the freedom to dictate what goes on in my life dictate who gets what you know yeah and being able to i can say at that point I can take care of my family. I can retire my mom. You know, I can live financially free without that burden of having somebody over me. Yeah. Telling me, oh, you owe this much. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. You know, I believe that money is that key to freedom. If you work for money, 
That's where you're messing up. Okay. Because money doesn't bring you happiness. Yeah, it doesn't. It's a paper. It's a piece of paper with a dead president on it. That does not buy you those things that you need in life: love, happiness. You know the basic human human virtues. Right. When you don't work for money, but you increase your work ethic, like your. I like to think of it like I have king and queen dreams. Mm-hmm. But I work like a peasant. Okay. I like that. I think that's the best way I can describe it, you know, because these things I want to do in life, life isn't meant for us to be in debt and die. Life is meant to be lived. We have to we have to do the things that we want to do. It just so happens that the things I want to do require that financial support. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Because I say the same thing when people work a lot of hours. When uh, like if you say you text your friend and they oh, I'm at work and you text him tomorrow I'm at work you text him Wednesday I'm at work and I and I sometimes my response is you know like why are you working so much and oh, I'm working for money and I my response is money isn't everything yeah and because you're missing out on a lot of precious moments mm-hmm. that's going on you probably missing a sister's birthday or your mom's birthday your father's birthday you may miss uh your nephew walking for the first time and see that's where that's where um this idea that you work for money yeah that's that's that messed up idea that people have like mm-hmm. you, you sacrifice everything for the dollar yeah me personally i work so much not for the fact for the money, but because I love the process of it. I love the idea that I'm working towards something, something that yeah. I am advancing every day. I'm progressing, you know, yeah. that idea will never go away. And that's why I work so much, yeah. you know, and um, it's not for the money. You know, it's never for it. I love the process. I could give a fuck about the end goal. Yeah. You know, because it's not guaranteed, you know? Yeah. Um, as, as in regards to what you were saying about missing out on um, precious moments, yeah, I think that's where you can you can see who values money differently. Mm-hmm. Because me personally, if it comes down to it, my family is over anything. My job, what I'm doing, my family is over anything. So if they if it interferes, my sister's graduating in um four weeks from college. If I just so happen to work that day, I'm not going to work because that's a moment that I need to be there. Right. You know? Right. You can't miss moments like that. I can differentiate what is meaningful to me, what holds value to me. Yeah. You know? But as far as this idea that you work so much, love work, man. I love the process of it. Because at the end of the day, it's their other argument that you need money to do shit in life. Mm -hmm. If you don't have money, you can't do nothing. You got. You have to pay bills. You have to have lights. You have to have water. You have to have, you know, cooking gas. You have to have a lot of shit to survive in life. So you need money. But at the same time, I feel that a person shouldn't overdo it and miss out on the key points in life just because of money. Oh, yeah. What's one thing you intend to accomplish before you die? What's one thing I want to accomplish before I die? Yeah, if you had to leave that impact on the world or on your family or friends, what would you like? What would that impact be? Like, what would it come from? What What would you do in life to give them such a powerful impact? My business. Okay. Before I die, I I'm going to open up a business mm-hmm. because that's me leaving something else behind for somebody. For further generations, you know, that's something invaluable. To put it into perspective, 
a lot of the rich people you see now, all these little kids running around, all these teenagers and young adults running around with money, a lot of them are startup entrepreneurs, but a lot of it is old money. Mm-hmm. What do you a, mean by old money? By old money, I mean that it goes, their money goes back three, four generations. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, I had, my friend has this connection. Um, his father was a founder. He was an investor of Stanford University. Damn. You know, or not his mm. father. It was I was like a couple, like great, 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 great grandfather was yeah. an investor of Stanford. Yeah. So that money that he has, he's he's caking, he's chilling. Yeah. Ca- this kid, he's his dad didn't really work for it. The other dad didn't really. It's all been there. A lot of wealth in America is old money. Mm-hmm. It's further. It's older generations leaving wealth behind mm-hmm. to their generations to make sure that their kids are good. You know music like that. Who owns like a record label or something? Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy. Yeah. He can give that down to his son yeah. when he passes away. He can write it in his will. This will go to, boom, insert son's name here. Yeah. And then his son is in direct control. He has some some sort of value. He has a business or service that has value to the world. Mm-hmm. So P. Diddy is kind of leaving behind something valuable for his his kids and yeah. for his kids kids and right. for his kids 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 right that's what i want to leave behind while we you need to think about this life and we need to think about our life we can't just think about what we're gonna do we gotta think about further yeah. generations we, yeah. i gotta think about my kids kids yeah and, and, and they're gonna be good and that's what makes our generation so selfish mm-hmm. because we only think about ourselves we don't think about our son that we may have, our daughter that we may have. We don't think about our cousins. We don't think about the extended family. We only think about ourselves. Well, I want to say thank you, Nico, for coming through. Um, it was nice talking about family. What are some of your valuable lessons you learned from your family? Um, nice talking to you about your business mindset that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish you the best on opening your restaurant in the future. I hope everything's go well with you, bro. All right. Thank you, Marcus, for having me. All right. No problem. If you would like to listen to more episodes of Lift Every Voice, you can go to soundcloud.com slash lift every, the number one voice, and you can find all the episodes of my podcast there. I would like to say thank you for listening to this episode and make sure you stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you.